velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this and McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scores. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I am delighted to be joined by Tom back again. Tom, it's great to see you. Um, Been a long time, not as long as it's been since the last Bath victory, which we're going to come on to, but I was happy to see that. I'm, I'm almost as happy to see you, mate. How are you? It's been a while, mate, and um, already it's almost a shambles. Me butting in during the start of that intro. Not sure if anyone if anyone picked that up, but yeah, I've been away for been away for a couple of weeks, gallivanting around around various various parts of parts of the world, and um, yeah, felt a felt a, a long way away from 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 Bath Rugby. Apart from listening to to the two episodes in the meantime, great podcast that you did with um, with with Neil Merrigan and and. Uh, and now regular friend of the podcast, uh, Henry Bate. Enjoyed, enjoyed, enjoyed listening to to those ones, and um, and yeah, back back to celebrate a win. Yeah, it was touch and go to be honest, mate, as to whether I was going to invite you, invite you back on the podcast. So yeah, you should be, you should feel honoured to be back on, and honoured to talk about the best week that Bath have had in yeah. a season, two seasons. Some fantastic news, and obviously the great win for the boys on Saturday at the rec over Northampton Saints Tom what a what a week to come back for it's been an incredible week and we'll you know we'll get on to the the new signings and the the news about the the redevelopment of the the, the stadium as well great great stuff but it's been it's been a, it's been a tough time it's been 154 days since since the last win um, we beat London Irish back in May 27-24, which we'll, we'll probably remember. And I saw a stat on 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 Twitter. It was Will Keller of the Times who tweeted that since that that point, we've had two prime ministers, two monarchs, three home secretaries, and four chances of exchequer. So a lot's changed in the soap opera and saga that is British politics. But the the losing streak has 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 been consistent for Bath. But we've 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 turned that around and. You know, it, it felt like you know stuff started to click a little bit on on Saturday, and and you were there, and it must have been must have been an incredible incredible atmosphere, and you certainly weren't shy of getting in front of the cameras as well, G. <laughs> it was a fantastic day at the rack, one of the all time days at the rack. There was a um, there was a sense of anticipation. I felt like Bath fans felt like a win was coming. I did certainly, mm-hmm. and I know Henry did on when we recorded last week's podcast and there was that air of this is the day that we're going to do it Northampton who are third in the league but do feel like a team you can turn over if you play well Bath having played undoubtedly their 
best two performances in the previous two weeks in the Premiership, running Saracens and Gloucester really, really close. So there was kind of that air of anticipation and particularly getting off to kind of the 14-0 start that we did. The atmosphere just built and built and the atmosphere kept going in the clubhouse afterwards. And yeah, I may have got a little bit carried away. If you um, go back and watch the... That doesn't sound like you at all. <laughs> if you go back and watch the ITV highlights, the interview between Dave Flatman, Topsy Ojo and Ollie Lawrence and Will Butt as well. It seems like he makes an appearance. Um, yeah, that was me in my new replica Will Butt jersey behind Ojo and Lawrence. So, yeah, fantastic day. And that was... Yeah, that was a bit of a highlight watching that back on Monday, Tuesday, whenever that came out. Yeah, I we're in the wrong number though. You know, but but thirteen, he was uh, in his now increasingly familiar position on the wing. So he'd obviously he'd obviously nick one of those those shirts that from from uh, from the changing room, and he was sort of dancing around in, in <laughs> a strange fashion for people who haven't seen it. But um, yeah, looked 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 a lot of fun. I was very jealous was uh, a lot of fun time before we get into that game and all the news that has come out all the positive news i wonder if you had any thoughts on the previous couple of weeks that that you wanted to share us you've been denied about an hour's airtime so why don't you condense down all of those thoughts into to maybe 30 seconds or a minute yeah i thought, thought as, as you just said it was clear against gloucester and saracens that that things were starting to to fall in place for near merrigan said it well on the, the podcast where, you know, things just weren't clicking at the right time. So a uh, scrum would go awry here and there, a lineup would go here awry here and there. Um, we'd be all disciplined at the breakdown. Um, and, you know, ultimately in both those games, if a few more things had gone our way, we could have beaten Gloucester and Saracens, which, you know, they're two of the favourites to, to get top four and ultimately go on to, to win the league. So it felt like things were improving. But we just were losing those moments. Still, I think the other thing I'd, I'd, I've been been so impressed with is Ollie Lawrence. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just been exceptional, as as you said, and I think he's provided that go forward and that uncompromising carrying that we've, you know, it's now so clear that we've 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 been lacking. He's been brilliant, and the way it's come about is obviously incredibly sad with with Worcester uh, with Worcester's situation. But it's obviously great from his perspective that we've been able to offer him kind of a long-term um, future in the premiership and, you know, hopefully he'll move on to fulfill his, his England, England aspirations. And then maybe just the last thing talking about England aspirations, absolutely gutted to hear about and to see the injury to, to Will Stewart. Mm. I mean, both from a Bath and England perspective, you know, he's looked in cracking form of late. We spoke to, to Tom Dunn about him and he, he's been so impressed with how he's been coming on. He was making that number three shirt his own for England. And, you know, the injury report that, that the Bath released sort of said that it wasn't as serious as first thought, which is positive. But yeah, just, just keen to see him back as soon as possible to, 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 to try and keep up that momentum that he was, he was building. So yeah, I think they're the, they're the, they're the, they're the, the, the three hot takes from the, the last fortnight from me. Nothing new, but, but, but there you go. Yeah, I think the Stuart thing is 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 something that we're really still waiting on the the final news because if he can come back in a month, two months, from a Bath perspective, that won't be a huge amount of 
time lost because he would have been away with England anyway in that period. Obviously, on a personal level for Will Stewart, he'll want to be going away with England and playing that rugby, etc. But purely from a selfish Bath perspective, if it isn't as serious, if it is a sort of one, two-month knee injury and he can come back this side of the new year, then... Yeah, it's not as big a dent to our season as it as it first looked when when Stuart hobbled off at the mm. Stone next time. But that's that's a negative way to move into the the best performance of the season, undoubtedly the twenty seven fourteen win at the Wreck on Saturday over Northampton Saints. And yeah, I felt like before we kind of get into the game and, and the details, you mentioned there that a lot of the time some of the key moments in games weren't going our way in those games against Gloucester and against Saracens. And I feel like the key, the difference was that there was moments in that game when the game was almost in the balance and, and, and the key key sort of passages of play, I think we absolutely won them. We'll come on to, to what those were. But I think that was that was absolutely the difference on Saturday. I thought there were times when when it could have gone the other way and for one reason or another it didn't and that that was impressive yeah yeah absolutely and i think as you say I, you know ultimately and and particularly in that first half it was a the first real Johan van gran jp mm. ferreira style win it was a win that was built on hard work defense i mean there were some heroic defensive moments turnovers down by 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 our line set piece you know, accurate set piece, the more, which was incredibly potent as well. Mm. Um, and then some, some lovely flourishes and, 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 and nice silky touches that, to, 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 to frill things up. So the first kind of, I think, performance that we're going to see that hopefully we'll continue to see under this, 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 this coaching regime. Yeah. I think the first, first half and in particular, the first 15, 20 minutes were, were relatively, Error strewn and, and a little bit mm. sloppy from from both sides and um, yeah I think that can be attributed to both sides maybe not playing as well as they'd like to the the ball being a little bit slippy but also some some decent defence from both sides both myself and Henry last week weren't anticipating much defence but but I think both sides were, were were stronger than anticipated in that in that first half in particular Bath I thought. Where we were sat on the day, so we were in the Thatcher stand at the far end where they run out and we're kind of up above. You really do get an idea. I've said it before. You really do get an idea of, of defensive structure and, and most importantly, the spaces between everyone and whether everyone kind of is doing the same thing in that defensive line. And it was so much better right from the off. They all looked like they knew what they were doing. And that's half the battle. If everyone's on the same page, you can pretty much run a defence and it will work if everyone's spacing remains the same and everyone does what what everyone around them expects them to do. It just makes life so much easier. So, yeah, Bath in that first half showed the, the defensive structure and I think it was absolutely the first time we've seen Ferreira, I think, put his mark on Bath properly. I, I was impressed. I think, uh, I think you're right. I think where we've been where we've been weak previously, where we've been especially weak previously has been on those, those edges in those, in those wide channels. And I think we were a little bit better. And I think the, the, the partnership of Ollie Lawrence and Cam Redpath's working really well in the centers. They've obviously played together at England under twenties level. And it's clear they have 
a very good relationship, even even a, a bit of a bit of a bromance going on. I think I do think that there are a couple of times where we looked very stretched um, throughout the game, and that last pass from Northampton, who let's be honest, were a little bit sloppy on the day. The last pass didn't quite go to hand; it went behind, which held up the held up the player a little bit. But I think it was better. Where in defence, I was really really impressed was a defending the mall. We mm. were. We were brilliant early doors. That first Miles Reed yeah. uh, sort of held up turnover. The crowd kind of erupted for the first time after a sloppy first 15 or or 16 minutes. And we did that on two or three occasions. I think Richard de Carpentier had one as well. Um, and then also at the breakdown, we had 14 turnovers in the game. And guys were just not only jackaling, but just making a mess of the the breakdown. You know, Tom Dunn. I think as you tweeted, was a was a man possessed. And I think the back row guys just got in there mm. and just made it really awkward for Alex Mitchell, who looked who looked really out of sorts. And I think, you know, it's it, I don't think they were on particularly good form, but we just we just made it made it difficult for them. And you know, to not concede a try in that first half when you have 24% of territory is a really impressive line in the sand from from a de- defensive point of view. Yeah. I- I think I'll give us a bit more credit than than give Northampton blame for that first half shutout that we put on them, conceding no points. I thought we I thought we were were really good, and I thought Northampton granted weren't maybe at their best. I disagree on the point on Mitchell. Absolutely, I thought in the second half he grew into the game, and taking him off was was the catalyst to, to bar securing the game. But yeah. I thought we were good and yeah, absolutely that read turnover on the line at nil-nil was so, so pivotal because, you know, a few <clears throat> a few minutes later, Reed again turning the ball over, this time in the midfield, the ball going to Ollie Lawrence, who does fantastically to, to stay in field on the right-hand side. And then quick big Quinru carry before Cam Redpath goes round the uh, slightly overweight Lewis Ludlam to, to put Miles Reed under the posts Kobar's first try. It was a, a really good team try, well deserved after being kind of back to the wall in that earlier possession. Yeah, it was lovely. Kind of, uh, you know, lovely to see Cam Redpath kind of get ball in hand and to to show kind of what a balanced, Ooh. lovely runner he is with, with ball in hand. It was kind of like an arcing run and then he kind of like scythed through. Um, and, and yeah, simple, simple two-on-one for Miles Reed who was putting himself about defensively. I mean, a couple of really key turnovers. He had 17 tackles out of 17, 100% um, success rate. And that was the most out of out of any player in the game. So he certainly deserved the yeah. the, the the try. And yeah, just stretching teams from, from coast to coast and showing something in the backs really for the first time this season. I mean, the first couple of games, the guys barely got the ball. So I think um, Joe Maddock will be will be pleased with 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 the couple of tries that were that were that were kind of born from 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 nice attacking backs moves. I thought those two who featured in that try were vast outstanding players on the pitch. Yeah, Reed was had had his best game I think in in a little while, just everywhere and, and making key interventions at key moments. And Cam Redpath was was superb on the day. I thought I thought it was maybe his best best game in, in a bar shirt, and we. Forget, I think, that he's had so long out with injuries and it's been such a rough time for him. To see him back, to see him smile smile on his face, running ball in hand, 
creating chances, being a key man in that bar squad. It's just, yeah, it's frustrating that he's going to Scotland this week. But and I hope is... they, need to, they need to wrap him in Conwell. I hope he doesn't play. No, I'm obviously joking, but I just... Just you know, they play on they play on Saturday. He's straight into another game. I imagine he might well start after you know the form that he's Probably. he's shown. I just oh, just just hope he doesn't get get crocked because it would. You know, he's had a couple of serious injuries now. He's a young guy. Um, he's come back really well. He's worked incredibly hard to come back. And if he, yeah, there's just just everything crossed that he he stays fit and 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 continues his his form because yeah, he's. He, he he had a great game and just showed just 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 showed his class um, and and showed what he can do when there's a solid foundation um, underneath him. In similar fashion, Tom Bart's second try came from oh, turnover on our line again from an unlikely man in Darcy Ray who jackaled turned over. We showed some ambition to run from our own line through Josh Bayliss and Joe Thock and Asiga winning the penalty into the corner we went and three moves later. Bath skipper Tom Dunn crashed over. That was, again, another try born out of the, the fantastic defensive effort that we'd shown and born out of the, the increasingly potent-looking maul uh, with a, you know, a few more bigger bodies in that pack and Tom Dunn masterfully controlling it from the back. I love that try because not only was it a, a really good team try with guys involved that aren't usually involved in tries, Darcy Ray with with kind of the the, the turnover there on on on, yeah. on the line. But it it showcased the full range of 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 kind of you know rugby really. It showcased robust defense. We're making big shots down the line. Turnover, heads up, opportunistic rugby. I mean my heart was absolutely in my mouth when we were sort of spinning it across our line there. I thought I can see this going going all wrong. Then the break um, from from Bayless, <laughs> he so often does that out out in those wide spaces and, and talking to Seager, as you say, and then just set piece accuracy and muscle. Tom Dunn has one thing on his mind there, and that's to, that's to maul maul till the cows come home. So yeah, really really pleasing team try, and I think they'll they'll look back at that and see all the individual steps that led to that, and 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 they can take confidence that it's. Yeah, we do, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you can take confidence that stuff's starting to stuff's starting to click. Stuff's starting to click. Tom Dunn with one thing on his mind. Tom Dunn, honestly, running off the field at half time. <laughs> I was con- I was a little bit concerned as to what he was going to say to them or what he was going to do to them in that half time break as as ca- as captain leading the boys off. He had a look in his eye that. Uh, frightened me if I'm being honest it was a man that was just not going to lose that game Tom Dunn Bath Skipper done a done a fantastic job Tom people asking us on socials I will uh, try and get the name Harrison Spence asking on socials whether Tom Dunn's actually the right man for the job as full-time captain just a quick aside from this game what's your thoughts on that I don't think you We've, we've we've named Ben Spencer as as captain. He's a he's a brilliant leader. I think he he's he's the man to do the job this season. You don't change midway through the season anyway. But I've I've been massively impressed with Tom Dunn. He's probably not a guy that I was expecting for them them to give the armband to. They they've tried out various various guys. They tried out Josh McNally, who Dunn was Dunn was preferred to prior to his injury. They've tried out Josh Bayliss. They've given Miles Reed a run out as well. I'm probably missing one or two others as well. And then Tom Dunn's come in this season. And as you would expect, and as he's always done, 
it's very much lead by example style of captaincy. It's very much, I will put my body on the line. I'll put, I'll, I'll put everything into this and just follow me into battle. And that's the, you know, as, as you said, he, he has been a bit of a man possessed this, this season. And I think he's, yeah, I think he's, I think, I think, I think he's been fantastic. And I think he, he's been, uh, complimented as well by the fact that he can come off after 55 minutes as he mm. did in this game because Niall Anik comes on and does a really good job. He's he's accurate. He's He looks likely. He manages more well. Um, yeah, I I think I think it's a it's a step up from you know the 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 quality of guys that the performances that we've seen coming off the bench in in previous seasons gone by, which I think helps Tom Dunn. Slightly concerned I was Tom sat in the stands at the rack just on the stroke of half time, and then in the period that that immediately followed into the second half, Northampton with that tried disallowed through Ollie slight home on the last play of the first half. And then again, they came close to our line as soon as the ball was kicked off mm. uh, in the second half. And, and and eventually, Tom Collins scored in the corner on 52 minutes to make it 14-7. And yeah, we were on the ropes a little bit at this point. Northampton certainly with their, their best period of the game. I don't remember being us being as on the ropes. I guess I'm just kind of looking back on that game with such positivity. But watching it back this evening... Yeah, that game was massively in the balance at this point. It felt like we had a lot of near misses there. Mm. Um, you know, a lovely piece of skill by by Furbank for the for the Collins try, and then time and time again they would kind of bear down on our on our twenty two and on our line, and either they were repelled. I mean, a couple of really big, um, really big turnover moments again, um, or. I think Saints missed a couple of chances as well where they where they they didn't execute. Thinking in particular of a um, an overlap which which just kind of went went behind the winger and into into touch. So yeah, I think we showed incredible fight, and I think the defensive effort continued into that into that into that second half. Um, but I I also feel like Saints 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 led a couple go, but I think we've earned. A little bit yeah. of luck. We've earned, we've earned the rub of the green after 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 it not going our way for, for for quite a few on quite a few occasions. So we we had to take advantage of of that and yeah and, and and we did. Yeah, I love that phrase. We have earned the rub of the green. I did think Mitchell was was starting to influence the game far far too much for for my liking. Quick taps, threatening. They were certainly trying to speed up the game make it quicker, put us to the test. And Bath, alternatively, in my mind, were, were trying to slow it down. Yeah, well, Mitchell had that tap and go, didn't he, when he basically threw it into someone and it came back mm-hmm. to him. So, again, another uncharacteristic mistake from him. He's a cracking player. Um, and I know that he's a, he's, he's a favourite of yours, but I don't <laughs> think... Can you tell? I don't think that... I don't, I don't think that, that... I think that half-back pairing for Saints were uncharacteristically a little bit erratic and inaccurate whereas I felt the kicking by contrast from Bath was 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 pretty on point and we certainly won that 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 battle on the day big moment as I spoke about at the start of the podcast Tom then followed and it centers around Dave Atwood in my mind yeah. Bath well fortunate enough to, well not fortunate enough, Bath earned penalties which allow them to get down the field Lawrence crashes Atwood clears out in an aggressive fashion and 
has since been cited for an incident at that ruck. Dave Atwood will receive a three-game ban for striking or punching an opponent, uh, something which he has admitted he did in that ruck. Bath eventually had a penalty advantage, kicked a penalty at sticks. The TMO does actually review the Atwood incident, describes it as a rugby incident. I'm not sure what sort of rugby the TMO has been watching or playing recently. And that was a huge moment to go 17-7 up. And it so easily could have been remained at 14-7 and Bath could have been down to 14 men. The sighting officers have, have since confirmed that, that that's absolutely what should have happened. Yeah, it doesn't look great that that incident. To be honest, I mean, I know it's 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 for, must be frustrating. You know, you're trying to get quick ball and you're trying to recycle, and there's a there's a guy lying on the wrong side, and he kind of knows what he's what he's doing as well. But I mean, when you look at the the angle, and I don't know how a TMO didn't see this, he kind of does strike him in the back what? of the head a couple of times, and you know, Dingwall's bleeding from the back. I I I I think you know he's quite lucky really there with 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 three games. In my opinion, I think that's quite a nasty incident. Actually, I don't, yeah, didn't, didn't didn't like to see that at all. It certainly was a pretty nasty one, and the consequences of it were splattered all over Fraser Dingwall's face. But I know that Dave Atwood said that he spent the evening apologising to his friends, family, and also to to Fraser Dingwall. So the apology and the remorse probably played a factor in the the three day, three game ban which I'm sure trained lawyer Dave Atwood is all too aware of as well. So, yeah, Atwood missing Bath's next three games. And, and Quinn Rue, who, who I, th- I think looks, look, look, has looked good since, he's, since he joined, he went off at half-time as well. So, mm. not sure if he's, if he's picked up a knock to, to add to the injury list with obviously McNally and, and, and Yules potentially looking a little bit light in, in that department for the, for the, for the next few games. Yeah, we've got that big boy, Fergus Warner. Blimey O'Reilly's a big boy. Yeah, and and um, old Michael Tete as well. He's equally uh, a, a big old slice. So that could that could be quite a powerful combination. Yeah, that would be a, that would be a humongous second row combination. But um, yeah, I think after that try, the game went Bart's way again. Alex Mitchell, who has now got more mentions than any Bath player on this podcast, comes off. To me, inexplicably, and soon after, Redpath intercepts the try to put Bath 24-7 ahead. Great, great read from Redpath, great pace and a great celebration. Yeah, lovely, lovely moment. Charlie Hills was saying on commentary that, 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 you know, what a good defender he is and perhaps that he's seen that move play out a few times as he's as he's come out of the line. And yeah, he's, he's read it really well. It's opportunistic. It's nice hands to, to take it as mm. well. And then a great moment for him to dive in with his, with his tongue out. It was a lovely... Lovely shot on the website and on, on on Twitter of of him doing that. And at that point, did it did it feel did it feel like the game was done? Did you feel relief, or did you were you are you haunted by all those occasions when you're like we can we can give it away from anywhere here? Well, it's funny you say that. I was actually speaking to uh, a fellow Bath fan, a fellow tormented Bath fan in the stands where where I was sat, and and actually when when he when he crashed over. We did kind of feel like, yeah, we've got this game. We've got this game done. Twenty-four-seven, with about thirteen minutes left. Like, yeah, there was some certain confidence around, but that very, very quickly turned yeah. into extreme nerves when 
Um, Saints crashed over for their maul try and, and within an instance we were back to the nervous wrecks that, that Bath fans often are at the end of games and fans and players alike were pretty nervy I think in that last 10 minutes and that certainly played out um, yeah it was a teaser it was a, it was a teaser because we're all we're all very very long suffering at this point and we've we've seen games Games, games given away from from situations where you where you think it's win, and, and we're not used to being ahead this season. We've pretty much chased every single game this season. So, what is this group of players going to do? Oh. How they're going to react to the the kind of you know the tide turning a little bit? And they didn't have a clue what to do, right? Like we score, we win the penalty at the scrum, key moment. We then win another penalty for offside where uh, Warboys kicks for goal. We're twenty seven fourteen up. That is game one, particularly when the clock's in the red. You literally cannot lose that game of rugby. And yet, and Bath are still pushing for the four-try bonus point. And yet, there's 15 blokes there, and they don't know what to do because they know they've won the game, but they also know they should continue to attack. And they end up kind of just sort of passing it to each other, extremely static, and not kind of really going for, for that bonus point try. That was a, a bizarre ending to the game, I thought. A team so bereft of confidence and so bereft of kind of knowing what to do at the end of games they're winning it was yeah, yeah we just funny to see we just don't know how to lead we don't know how to win and I think there'd been probably so much emphasis and there was so much desire to get that win yeah but when we done it it kind of felt like okay what's next but then yeah obviously you go for the four tries but yeah that was uh not the most inspiring inspiring passage of play I thought yeah the George Warboys little flick out of the back um which went <laughs> Mark Callaghan did well to even lay a finger on I think was 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 symptomatic of that, but um, a win is a win. It's it's. I said on the last time I was on the podcast, whatever it was, two three weeks ago, that it was you know so important to get that that first win and to to crush that mental barrier that that that, that we had, obviously. And um, yeah, so pleased to do it. So so pleased as well to see the the light on the the, the faces of uh, of of fans, whether whether they're wearing a Will butcher or not, and and players. We've gone well, Tom, to go through half an hour there and not mention George Warboys. You oh, mentioned just, at the start, yeah. of the, the start of the podcast, the chaos at number 10 Downing Street, but similar chaos at number 10 for Bath this week with George Warboys stepping into the shirt with injuries to P.S. Francis and a facial injury to Orlando Bailey. And I thought he, he looked really, really calm and assured. He didn't have to do loads as well, which I thought was really important. I thought Redpath, as I've spoken about, was outstanding. Effectively playing a lot of the time in that first receiver role. Lawrence as well, really, really good. And, and Matt Gallagher as well, taking a lot of the responsibilities. He's looking like a proper player, Matt Gallagher. And I thought those guys around him, along with Schroeder, who does a lot of box kicking, just allowed Warboys to settle in, play his game. And I thought what he was asked to do, he did really, really well. And that was really reassuring to see. I think he'll be really pleased with that. You know, he, he, he I think he's come on a lot as well. And I, I take your point about being, you know, having experienced players around him. When I last saw him play, and when I first saw him play live, actually, was last season against Worcester in the, the Premiership Rugby Cup in admittedly terrible Friday night conditions at the, the wreck. But it was you know, Wednesday, he was, oh, I think it was Wednesday. Yeah, it was actually all right. And it was awful. It was pouring with rain. And he had young players around him and he 
he struggled a little bit, I think. Uh, you know, he was he, he looked rushed. His he wasn't executing basic skills, um, and he's he's clearly come on a lot. And I I'm really pleased that they decided to to pick him and back him rather than Redpath or even you know our our, our boy Max Ajomo in the in the driving seat at, at at ten because it just shows that they they back him and they want him to they want him to come on. But yeah, I agree with what you say. And Matt Gallagher has been. Phenomenally impressive, as you guys pointed out last week. The left foot is 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 a real weapon, and uh, you know he had one exit from right on the dead ball line, which he boomed all the way from yeah. to the to the forty, you know, to the to, to our ten meter line. So that's a that's a handy handy weapon to have. One thing on George Warboys, what's the little kind of tee that he does when he when he when he when he plays kicks? So when he when he gets a successful place kick, he kind of does a what, what looks like a cricket DRS review. Um, <laughs> and he, he, he was, he was getting them out. He was almost like Shane Watson, to be honest. He, he, he had them out so much because he plays kick well, but um, if anyone knows, then, then, then get in touch with us and, and let us know whether it's a charity thing like Owen Farrell, I don't know, but, or just a superstition. Or George Warboys is welcome on the podcast anytime to, to tell us himself. That yeah. Great to, to have him on. I, I really hope as well that, that they stick with him during the period where uh, Red, where Bailey and Pierce Francis are out instead of um, maybe playing someone who, who's only going to be here for, for a short period of time. But one just one last thing for me on this game um, that I really enjoyed, and that was there was there was a little bit of niggle or quite a lot of niggle actually throughout the game. Bit of pushing and shoving. Mm. Um, there was none of the sort of high fives and joking around with the opposition that we've seen and that has annoyed me so much on 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 previous podcasts when we've been when we've been losing. And I think I think that's great. If we're gonna be the you know uncompromising physical side, we can't be going up and bum tapping the, the opposition and, and chatting to them and I know all the players are mates, but in that eighty minutes they should be trying to tear lumps out of each other and they were certainly trying to do that. And you know Dave Atwood probably probably crossed the line a little bit, but I I like the intent. Yeah. And I think Tom Tom Dunn I I would suspect has a lot to do with that, but I like the intent of the bit of niggle, and I, yeah, I really, I really, I really enjoyed seeing that because it just, it just, it just set out our intent very, very clearly. We're gonna, we're gonna bully you, and we're gonna, we're gonna get the job done. We're far enough down this podcast now, like forty minutes in, for me to say this. I much prefer Dave Atwood whacking someone twice than Max Green helping someone with cramp. That should be a three. You should get a five-game ban for that. Yeah. Maybe he has got a five-game ban. He's not featured since, but yeah, just yeah, I agree a hundred percent with that. Good. Maybe more than something you've, anything you've ever said. Just be a bit harder to beat, and Bath were absolutely harder to beat on Saturday. A really, really great win for the men's team, followed by Tom. A really, really great win for the women's team. Again, Bath playing the double header, the first double header of the season after successfully doing it a couple of times last season and a double header with two victories for the blue black and white 33 nil victory over old albanians in championship south one that made bath well it maintained bath's position bath women's position at the top of the table having won four from four tom these are kind of great initiatives i think and after i'd made an idiot of myself putting my Will Butcher in the back of the ITV camera and generally looking like a bit of a tit on national telly, I then went down to the stands and watched watched this game and 
along with quite a few other people, it was it was really really good to see and that kind of just topped off what's been a fantastic week for bath and went on even into the week with the announcement that ted hill who made his debut on saturday off the bench and i thought made made an impact has signed a long-term contract with bath the 23 year old is a is is an excellent excellent player and is exactly what we need as a ball carrying number eight this season, and as a future future leader of this squad. That's a fantastic signing. It's a it's a it's a brilliant signing. And if the the reports I think it was reported in the in the Times that it's a four year contract until until twenty twenty six that that locks him in. So you don't often see four year contracts. So that's a long term commitment. And he looks the all-round package. I mean, he's, mm. he's physical. He's very strong defensively. You saw him smash someone into absolute smithereens when he came on. He's good at the breakdown. He's a lineup option. He's you know he's, he's very tall. Um, and yeah, he's clearly a strong carrier, calm head, a leader. He's captained, captained Worcester. You know, you're not scouted at the age of I think it was twenty or twenty-one by Eddie Jones to come in as a as an academy player and to get a couple of caps if you're if you're if you're if you're no good. So. Yeah, brilliant. And I think this season he's 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 come in to a, a squad characteristically hampered by injuries and he's going to be a really quality guy to step in for someone like Sam Underhill who will 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 will, will obviously be be missing. So um he could play eight. Yeah, crack, cracking cracking news. I don't I don't I don't think he's played a huge amount of eight um in his in his time at Worcester. I think he's historically played seven, but he's, he's got a big, the he's a big slice, mate. And he's only twenty three, so he, you know, he'll probably he'll probably probably get bigger as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I remember when he first came onto the scene, he was quite slight and quick. And seeing him in the flesh on Saturday, he's a he's a big he's a big boy, and I think he could definitely play eight this season with lack of options. Yeah, he's almost got sort of yeah, kind of just freakish kind of physicality and definition almost like kind of like chimp like definition in the in the in the kind of mold of like a tom curry or a um who's the, guy for, who's the guy that played for newcastle as well mark wilson uh, yeah so just guys that are just freaks physically and, and he certainly 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 looks that way so yeah i'll be be interested to see where he where he fits in and the guys in the back row have had to be be pretty versatile and, and move around so we'll we might get a chance to see we know which position kind of suits him best um, for the remainder of the season. Yeah, he's joined Tom alongside a couple of other Worcester players who have joined on short-term deals. This was actually announced prior to the Northampton Saints game and Billy Searle, who was one of them, the 25-year-old fly half featured on the bench for Bath on Saturday. He joined alongside uh, Jamie Shilcock. They are covering for the injuries of Francis and Bailey, as we spoke about, but also the hamstring niggle that Tom de Glanville has picked up. I guess people may be wondering at, at this point of the podcast, maybe actually if you've got this deep in, you, you're probably pretty well versed in salary cap nuance, given that it's quite a nausey podcast. But how are we affording this, Tom? Yeah, I, was, I, was, I saw quite a few people people sort of query this. Obviously, we've, we've signed Ollie Lawrence on a on a long-term deal as well. And I think, yeah, there's, there's a few things. So as we, as we found in seasons gone by there, where you get a long-term injury to a player, you do get a certain amount of, of dispensation as a proportion of, of, of their salary. So 
when we've needed cover in the past, we've we've used that, and the club have been open about the you know the, the, the fact that we've we've used that. And you know, when you think about some of the, the probably more highly paid players, Yules under Hilabano are out. Those numbers are probably slightly slightly bigger. The, the 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 other thing is the the salary cap increase. So it's currently five million, and will be increasing back um, to to six point four for next season. So in the case of Ted Hill, what they've reported, obviously it being a multi year deal is that he's taken kind of a much lower wage this season in his contract with a view then for that being increased next season as the salary cap increases, but also presumably as other players' contracts come to mm. come to an end and there is, there's, there's, there's more, more cap there. I think the only other thing, G, would be that potentially we're not operating right at the, the, the edge of the, the salary cap. And I, you know, with a, with a club with the backing that, that we're fortunate to have, it feels a bit surprising, but then I guess when you think about the ins and outs at the end of last season, guys like Watson and Falatau moving away, it potentially might make sense that that those 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 salaries haven't been haven't been filled. So, yeah, I think it, it, it's probably a combination of, of of some of those things. One thing I would say though is that given what happened to Saracens and and you know more recently Leicester, all clubs have to be completely open and transparent and are subject to a full order every year in terms of their, their statements and, and all the third-party agreements that the players have as well. So I would be very, very surprised if a club were ballsy enough to try and even bend some of those those rules. So I think suggestions of that are, um, are, 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 probably, are, probably, are probably speculation, probably with a, you know, with a... Um, with a with a with a tinge of jealousy, obviously, given that we've been been able and in a position to to pick up these, you know, and to to, to provide a future for these 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 six guys now at Worcester that we've signed since the start of the season. Yeah, two things I guess I'd add to that is that the salaries that I think a lot of these guys will have to take this season, it's just going to be massively reduced to what they were on at previous clubs. I'm thinking both the players at Worcester and also at Wasps and below what would be perceived as market value for these players. And and that might be the case in the instance of, of the players that we've signed. Yeah. There's like 72 players that have not got a club and there's 10, 11 teams who are all pretty much operating near enough at the salary cap and are unable to, to afford them, which is a really sad state of affairs. And, and that will lead to, yeah, players just in the want to getting back into it, taking less than, than what their market value market value would be. And I think the second point I'd make is that what's exciting from my point of view is that, yeah, these guys have signed long-term and you've got guys on shorter-term deals. And it means that looking ahead to next season, the competition for those contracts and for those positions at Bath seems like it's going to be really, really hot going into to next season, which can only drive drive performance across the squad yeah obviously it's Darwinian but you know also the other thing will be that a lot of players will drop out and will be released and and you know won't have the the careers and make the money that they they would have been yeah. if they would have had if we'd, we'd remained you know Worcester and Wasp were still were still going strong so course, yeah. very sad news but um you know and perhaps it brings us on to our, the next thing we're going to discuss but you know this this sort of thing um you know, and being able to being able to afford these players and being able to fund fund a, a loss making organisation just makes you feel incredibly fortunate that we are lucky enough to have financially secure owners and backers 
and you know you compare the kind of excitement that we're feeling to how you would feel if if you're a you know a Wasps or a Worcester fan which you know just to try and put myself in in those shoes as a lifelong fan would be would be would be terrible so um who would you kind support? Of, very much bittersweet who would I support I can't even I can't even I can't even bring myself to certainly not Bristol leave it like that <laughs> oh really yeah never made any suggestion to say you wouldn't support Bristol <laughs> you'd have a bear cap in no time mate <laughs> It would be dark, wouldn't it? But yeah, Bruce Bruce Craig is an uh, extremely generous financial backer and, and maybe dipping into his pockets even more based oh, on the, the, the latest news from from last week again, going back before the Northampton Saints game to to round off this this positive podcast. Um is the yeah, I'm not gonna go into the legal terms, but I think basically the the disputes over whether Bath can build a new stadium and redevelop in the area they want to, in the centre of Bath, redevelop the rack, those disputes are finished, right? Yeah. And so, so that means Bath are now free to go ahead with the initial plans, maybe slightly um, amended plans, to redevelop the rack and it will remain in the centre of Bath. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. So, I mean, it's been a long and very... Um, it's been a long slog. I mean, the initial plans, which were called the Stadium for Bath, were unveiled back in July 2018. And since that point, they must have spent hundreds of thousands revising plans and making concessions along the way. So, for example, reducing the height of the stands, which they did, getting rid of the idea of the underground car park. And that, as you say, all came about because of these objections, many of which were built upon sort of historical covenants from landowners and from from property owners that dated back to kind of a hundred years in some, in some cases. So there are lots of legal challenges. I think this last uh, ruling by the you know, Supreme court, which is, I understand kind of the highest court in the land that was to. <laughs> what the world do we live in? I saw in the land. I think, I think well, I think, I think that's game what. of Thrones. Yeah, so the Iron Throne, no, so the, the Supreme, yeah, the Supreme Court, we're really, we're flagging now, but the Supreme Court, <laughs> and it's, been, it's been a while, I've, I can't do this anymore. Um, they essentially, I think, ruled out the last and latest set of appeals to the initial rulings. That's what I understand. So now there can be no further appeals and this can move ahead and is beyond these kind of legal barriers and covenants that are in place. So I think as you know, as Tarkin McDonald said, the next step now will be to draw up plans that satisfy those agreements and whatever legal agreements being put in place, and then to to circulate those plans. So essentially, I, I believe what we'll expect is another set of plans, and then hopefully there'll be no further room for legal wranglings and objections, so we can then move forward with 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 timescales. But yeah, more than more than four years since 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 initially plans were, were 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 revealed as i say so kind of not holding my breath that there won't be further further stumbling blocks but it, it seems very very positive and meant much more than four years since this was kind of first talked. oh yeah that's been decades well decades but that's been many many years so yeah it is certainly a long drawn out process and Tarkin refers to that in 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 the statement that he the 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 patience of supporters is is appreciated and I think this isn't something that's now going to happen overnight but it's extremely positive news yeah and I think the the principles behind it are are the same right increased capacity adding permanent stands 
and redevelop around the area, so the riverside area, which are all things that I think we can agree we want to see. Stay in the centre of Bath. Oh, yeah. yeah. Key point. Key point. So I'm really, really great to have you back, uh, not least to explain the, the legal ramifications of 100-year-old covenants one hour into your return. So thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for listening as well, listeners. No you, haven't, you, haven't, you haven't mentioned the international call-ups. That's the last, that's the last item. Then I'll, then I'll leave you alone. Last item, yeah. So the internationals do start. No game for Bath on Saturday. Uh, we'll be taking a little bit of a break with that in mind before our trip up to Kingston Park to play Newcastle in two weeks' time. In the interim, the Autumn Internationals will start. Scotland have their first game this Saturday, um, the 29th of September, uh, October, against Australia, in which two Bath players are likely to feature, Josh Bayliss and the aforementioned Cameron Redpath, both hugely deserving of those Scotland call-ups. As for England, their, their campaign will start the following weekend, the 5th, of October against Japan. Uh, Argentina. Argentina is the first one. Thank you. Argentina. And in that will just be the one bath phase, which is, yeah, massively reduced down from from previous seasons when we'd have five, six, seven in there. And that, that face is Joe Thokinasiga, who, who's putting together a really, really impressive season, although he's in there with about... 10 other back three players so how Eddie decides to shuffle that around remains to be seen um, I guess it means that Bath won't be as affected during this period but still disappointing for some guys um, that they didn't get the call up maybe that, that they thought they might it's all the injured players really though so it doesn't really help us yeah Abano Abano Underhill Underhill I saw an interesting stat an interesting stat by the way that um I think it was mentioned on commentary. In the league, Joe Thokonasiga has the most metres in contact, along with, I think, Augustus at Saints. Mm. So most metres in contact so far this season, Thokonasiga, which I think speaks to, obviously, what he brings and probably his USP compared to other other wingers in the squad, which is that that go forward. So I will be at the, the Argentina game at, at, at Twickenham, so I hope you'll be there to... To, to cheer him on, I might wear my Bath shirt instead of my England shirt if he if he is indeed playing. Wear, wear the Will Butt shirt and you'll get spotted. About 13. Maybe he'll get a spot on the wing. Who knows? For England. After some, after some aggressive promotional work on ITV. <laughs> Lovely way to finish the podcast, Tom. Thank you for joining me. As I said, follow us at Bath Rugby Plug on socials. Bath Rugby Plug at gmail.com. Spread the word with your friends. A brilliant week for Bath rugby certainly a week off for us uh, but stick behind the boys through thick and thin <laughs>